Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. I don't know what the Indian expression for hello is, so hi. Hello. Hello. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other of the co-hosts. How are you, Nick? Uh, sad. Yeah, because today we watched episode 10 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, part 3, Stardust Crusaders, entitled The Emperor and the Hanged Man, part 1. <laughs> it covers chapters 140 through 142 of the manga. Holy shit, it's only three chapters. Yeah. So much happened. Ish. Ish. We had a <laughs> So much happened end. at the end. Yeah, so much happened at the very end. We're back in JoJo territory. High mortality adventures. <laughs> Everyone needs to die now. That's the only way we can roll. Yep. Yeah, what happens next week is that our whole horse just shoots Kakuin and, and Polnareff too. Shit. The end. Oh, no. Truly, they were made out of stars. Then over the next leg of the journey, Joseph and Jotaro get three more compatriots. <laughs> That's where all the other stars come from. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. See, they started off as stars and they end up as dust. Oh. And they always get crusaded by bullets. What? I don't know. <laughs> okay. So we start on a boat. Not the train we were discussing last time. We see on the, the map of their journey mm-hmm. that they, you know, started in Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore... And then there's this giant landmass. Yeah. But the train ends. Yeah, and they get on a boat. Yeah. To Calcutta, India. Yes. Everyone except for Abdul is expressing their concern that they don't know what India is like and they, they might not like it. I think Joseph says, it's a place where people eat curry and get sick all the time. Yeah. And Polnareff keeps using this phrase, culture gap. Or culture shock? Or is it... Uh, he says gap, I think. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, and he's like, oh no, like I'm a Frenchman. Maybe this is too different for me. Maybe my body won't be able to handle the food. Maybe the water will be weird. Maybe the air will be weird. And the people, the people, they just keep clamoring to me because of my handsomeness. <laughs> and Abdul's like, no, everyone, it's fine. India's great. It's, it's a simple place full of simple people. It's a wonderful region. Anyway, we're here now. Let's get off the boat. So they get off and are immediately clamored yeah. upon by about... 50 people. 50, 100 million people. And they're just like, hey man, do you want a place to sleep? I know a great hotel that's nearby. Give me a tip. Do you want to buy some anti-venom? Hey man, hey man, hey man, hey man, hey man, hey man, hey. How you going? like, my wallet's already been stolen. <laughs> Joseph was like, what is with all these people? His wallet was stolen last time. Oh, <laughs> shit. Is this going to be a recurring theme? Did he only just notice that his wallet was missing from Yellow Temperance? <laughs> oh, no. So it's all the way back in Singapore. <laughs> and it's just like, my wallet's it's already been stolen. Just at the uh, the cable car stations, lost and found. <laughs> and there's this one lady that's like, I wonder who this very attractive young yeah, schoolboy is. handsome boy. Someone tries to sell Joseph some anti-venom? Yeah, well, it's important in India. For, like, cobras? Yeah. We saw one in this episode. True, I guess. Yeah. In fact, we saw two. The narrator tells us about Calcutta. It's a vibrant place. Calcutta, India. In the 20th century, its population is 11 million. Ooh. An immense energy swirls around the city. That's it. It's a cool place filled with absolutely nothing interesting. <laughs> Abdul laughs and is like, See guys, I told you this place was great. <laughs> then we cut to the OP. <laughs> Saved it. Thank Saved you. it this Thank time. Yeah. After the OP, they're in a restaurant. As they are wont to do. An Indian restaurant! Go to a fair few restaurants in this part. Oh, yes. Good times. Uh, they're all drinking chai. Ooh, what is chai? So, the show describes it as a sweet drink in India made from boiling water with, like, ginger and... But etymologically... Etymologically. Nope. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. Word roots. So, etymology. 
etymologically speaking. Though. There it is. Yes, there we go. We got there. Etymologically. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. It has the same root as tea. Right. So it's like chai tea. Well, it's just the Indian word for tea. Oh. So chai tea is a tautology. Oh. I will never say chai tea again because <laughs> I never said it already. So that's that's interesting, I guess. Yeah. Tea facts. Tea facts with Leah. Today we were talking about sleepy time. Earl Grey. <laughs> Drop the bass. <laughs> Chamomile. <laughs> it's like Unreal Tournament but with different kinds yeah. of tea. Multi sugar. Earl Grey. <laughs> Overboiled. Oh no. You need to have it at the right temperature, Liam. You can't overboil that shit. So they're all drinking their tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Joseph and Polnareff were like, that was terrible. This is awful. And then Jojo goes, I like this place. It's pretty great. Are you, is that real, Jojo? Are you really <laughs> saying that? Apparently. That's, that's such a... I just love how calm he it's is. It's exactly what like a, a moody teen would say. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I like it, but I'm not going to openly show any affection for it. It's cool. You're cool. Mm-hmm. It's all right. It's all right. Because I'm saved by the bell. <laughs> Man, that was a long time ago. Polnareff has to go to the bathroom. Now, you warned me, I think, a Polnareff couple episodes ago. traditionally has a bad time in the bathroom. Yeah. I did not know that it would be quite this bad. As he's going to the bathroom, the waiter is like, Wait, sir, 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 if you're going to the bathroom, take this. And gives him a... Like a broomstick yeah. with a gold bell end. Like a, a staff. Yeah, like a quarter staff yeah. with a rounded top. Yeah. Oh, and as he's going out the door, he's like, oh, just order anything. Uh, gorgeous, splendid food that suits a Frenchman like me. And, and the next shot, Joseph's jaw is just like a foot down from his mouth. Which is great. Yeah. And I think Kakiween responds with the best burn ever of, oh, so we can get anything then. Yeah. Let's see. <gasps> oh, damn. So this guy gives him the bathroom pole. The you bathroom know, pole. for the hogs. <laughs> Polnareff enters and he's like, I don't know why I need this thing, but the toilet's quite clean. Yeah, yeah we, we get a cool shot where he's like, it's shaped a bit oddly, and then, you know, that shimmer of light that you see in animation to indicate something is really clean shimmers across it. He's like, oh, oh, this seems pretty normal. Shuts the door. A nice guy like me can't stand it when bathrooms are dirty. We zoom out slowly. From the door. Get a fisheye effect happening. And just as we see the sink... Polnareff screams, and we zoom back into the door, and he opens it, hitching up his trousers as he goes... Grabs the waiter he's by stunning. the collar. Swirls him around. It's like, you! What is going he's, he's on quite, here? quite, quite, uh, sort of balletic. Well, he is French. Mm. He does, he does have a lot of style. He's like, the, 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 the toilet! The toilet! And there's a big old, big old pig sticking its head through the toilet bowl. I did not know it was going to get this real this soon. And all the kanji is oink. <laughs> And uh, the waiter quite calmly goes, oh, yeah, well, that's what the stick is for. Yeah. Uh, because the pig pen downstairs was built just a little bit too high. So when the pig gets hungry, it sticks its head in. And then Polnareff goes, It's oh. unusual even for India. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, that... Wait, so that means that the pig's food is... Ah! Yeah. And the guy takes the staff and just, like, jams the pig right between the eyes. He's quite athletic in this motion. He, he looks like a pole vaulter. Mm. Just about to... The pig screams in pain and recoils from the blow. And it's like, look, now you can go to the toilet while the pig is stunned. While it's recoiling, please, by all means. And then he goes on this weird rant where, like, he gets more sinister as he goes. Where he's like, the manager likes to get the pig to lick his ass clean. Because he thinks that nothing gets it that clean. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get a shot of the toilet uh, with 
two blue glints. Well, also, honestly. just it's just pouring menacing kanji out. Yeah. Like, and purple miasma. Yeah. And, and the there's... two blue glints of shark-like pig's eyes. <laughs> and then Polaris like, I'll just wait till I get back to the hotel. Mm. This seems like a sound plan. But he's washing his hands for good measure, because he's nothing if not hygienic. Yep. He is Polnareff. He glances out the, out the, uh, not door. Dining room. He glances, you know, around the corner into the dining room. Mm-hmm. Bit weird that that's just an open space. Whatever. <laughs> um, and the food's arrived. So I was like, oh shit, better go, better go get my eats on. And then he looks back and the camera comes with him. And in the window behind him, there's just a shadowy hand up against the pane. Which isn't at all freaky. Nope. But I immediately saw it and went, nope. And something pulls itself up into, into the window frame. Uh, it looks... How would you describe this? Uh, like some kind of hanged man. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like half mummy, half assassin. Yeah, kind of it's got um, you it's know, a lot of bandages. It's got yeah. like a metal plate on one side of its head. Yeah, it looked like a robotic eye of mm. some kind. And then the other side is just like a pained a, Like eye. sort of pallid, corpse-like skin. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it well, like f- brings no, out... Well, first... Polnareff spins around and assumes, like, oh, yeah. a judo stance. Actually, it looked a bit like a ta- taekwondo fighting stance to me. I don't know enough about martial arts, but I'm pretty sure it has something to do with martial arts. French martial arts. Ah, yes. Escargot. <laughs> Escargot. <laughs> and there's nothing there. Huh. Like, huh. I could have sworn I saw something. But I guess I'm just shook up after that toilet thing. Oh, well. At least it's not a pig. Mm-hmm. Turns back around. Turns back around and it's still there. <gasps> and so he turns around again and it's not there anymore. And in the reflection... The guy is has opened the window and is crawling through it, but the real window is still closed. What? <sighs> Save that yawn. I'm actually surprised that the um the window didn't open. Well, maybe that's the uh, the Stan's secret ability is that it only affects things in a different plane of existence. It only affects living things in this plane. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. We we haven't seen enough of them. No, I can't make any solid claims as I would with Star Wars here. So he's he's crawling through. Crawling through the window. And Polaris like, this is fucking weird. Oh no, mirror stand. My my revenge quest. It's time. We're doing this. This is what I live for. And as you as you mentioned before, uh, our, our assailant flexes his wrists and sort of Assassin's Creed style wrist blades shoot like, out. Literally an Altair blade just comes out of yeah. his wrist. And he's like, time to fuck you up. And he's like, ah, silver chariot. Help silver me. chariot. He just smashes the mirror and is like, I'm getting out of here. The sink is overflowing. You can't, you can't really fault his strategy there. It was a, not an ideal situation. Yeah. I probably would have tried stabbing behind him, though, just to see if it would work, then stabbing the mirror. I mean, time is of the essence. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. And he runs out and he's like, stand, where is he? And we see various people in the restaurant, one of whom is the spitting image of old George Joster. Is he? Yeah. No. <laughs> just with grey hair. Okay. Yeah. Um, huh. And he runs outside, and everyone's like, Pay Polnareff, what's going on? And Polnareff is like, Fucking, there's this guy who killed my sister, and he's here. It's the guy Jojo told me about. I need to peace out ASAP. Fuck y'all. Don't yeah. come with me. That means he's finally here. The bastard that killed my little sister. I don't know why I'm doing my Jojo voice. <laughs> the bastard that stepped over all over my sister's soul and pride and life, and finally, I can see him. I mean, he can't, but that... Yep, okay. Yeah, he has the opportunity to see he, him. He has some possibility of seeing him. So he says, Mr. Joestar, are we travelling on my own from here? And everyone's like, what? And we get one of those cool shots where all their faces are, are split shots across the screen. Oh, so good. They're all so shocked. They're like, what? Even Jotaro is a little shocked, mm. even though his face doesn't seem to 
really capture it. I'm not going to wait for him to come after me. I'm not going to put myself at a disadvantage by waiting. That's not my style. And so we have and they're like, the biggest argument. But Polaroff, you don't even know what he looks like. Well, I know he has two right hands. And I know he's going to be terrified of me. Because I am the knight. I am the blackness. No, the knight with a K. Oh. Because hey. he's the silver chariot with the knight. Oh. Hey, yeah. Man, our puns just get worse and worse mm-hmm. as time yeah, goes yeah. on. It's quality content. Ugh. So Abdul stops him and he says this phrase, You'll go out for wool only to come home shorn. Nice. Yeah, and I guess that basically means you're going to just go out recklessly and... Like, you're going to Going to get the opposite of what you want. Yeah, basically. It's like, you're a sheep. You're going out to grow wool. Guess what? You're going to come home with scars on your face. Yeah. They've, Abdul's like, they're clearly deliberately provoking you to get you alone. Why are you falling for this? And Polnareff is like, fuck you. Yeah, you're a coward. You ran away from Dio. <gasps> Sick burn. I never cared about Dio. I only <clears> told you that I was traveling with you for revenge. The Jojo's no. And Joseph and and Jotaro are like mm. Yeah, we knew. We we knew. Sorry. Sorry. We didn't inform you, but we we fucking knew. Yeah. So he says, You're only lucky that you beat me in Hong Kong. Don't lecture me. I'm more pissed off than you right now. <laughs> and Abdul loses his temper, which is unusual for him. Yes. He goes to punch him, but Joseph immediately restrains him. And he's like, Abdul, let him go. He can't be stopped. The man is a machine. Yeah, that he's like this, no one can stop him. And Abdul says, I'm just disappointed in him. I mean, clearly you're not just disappointed. You're clearly very angry. Yeah. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed and angry. I'm just disappointed enough to punch you. I'm really, really disappointed in you to the point where I feel like you need to die. Polnareff runs screaming into the night. Literally screaming into the night because <laughs> he's uh, he starts querying everyone around mm. him. And uh, we cut to the middle of the desert. And uh, we have a man riding an elephant. With a, with a, with a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. And so... And this man... He's like a sheriff. He's like a cowboy. Like a like an American... A bandito. Yeah, a bandito. He's uh, wearing a big old cowboy hat. A pistolero style. I'll take your word for that. Yep, yep. Um, he's, got a, he's got a longer than usual mullet for this era. True, Long, it is. Longer than Polnareff, longer than Kakuin. Does it speak to his, uh, his wisdom? His wild nature. His untamable spirit. His maneness. Uh, and he's wearing like a, uh, a black shirt with a sort of tan poncho over it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cowboy pants and, and spurs on his boots. The spurs He's a cowboy, basically. The spurs yeah. are very important. They, they jingle jangle as he walks. They bring together the whole look, you know. From man in cool coat poncho to cowboy. So he's riding this elephant. And then he's like, hey girl, get off. Walk back home from here. And she's like, but I love you. It's very Casablanca. It would be very Casablanca if he was being sincere. But he's clearly just emotionally manipulating her to, he's to just get like, laid. Bitch. I'll come back later. He says... I'll hold you. Listen, I'm just a drifter. I live every day. I live each day like it's my last, and one day it will be my last. Shh. Royalty like you can't think about marrying me. Guess she is a princess or something. Apparently. Or maybe he's just, you know... Complimenting her. No matter how much we love each other. And she's like, you love me? I I love you. You're the only one I love in the whole world. It's because I love you that I can't marry you. Now... That sounds like fucking... (laughs) That ooh. that sentence is a real red flag. That is alarm bells going off. Mm-hmm. Look, it's because I love you that I can't. If pay you the love homies. someone, let them go. So I won't be paying child support. <laughs> if you really love someone, just fucking leave them in the desert with no way to return home and ride off on your elephant. It's hard for me too. My chest feels like it could burst, but I'll come see you once in a while and hold you like this. That's enough for me. And she's like, oh. 
and they hug, and then Swoon. he just smirks and is like, ha, got you wrapped around my little finger. Bitch, and he mind. gets back on the elephant and he literally says, later, love you. <laughs> yeah. And then he whips the elephant yeah. once. She watches him ride off into the desert and I guess she's just out there now. She, uh, she might not live from this. Though, to be fair, he only rides like 15 metres. Yeah, and then we get him slowing down again. Because he hears uh, the shadowy figure of Jay Guile, aka Centerfold, <gasps> chuckling at him. My god, Centerfold. I kind of like how we don't really get a good shot at this guy mm. in this. Like, we can see that he's got the two right hands. He's, we know he's gaunt. He seems kind of ugly. His teeth are a bit messed up. But we can't see but shit. in our best shot of him, he's wearing one of those sort of uh, porter's caps pulled down over his face. Mm. And it's all black and yeah, shadowy. Yeah, we don't really get a good look at him, which is cool, because the question of his identity is... Gonna be important in future, because Polymer still doesn't know what he looks like. Uh, true. True. For now, he is just a shadow. Even in this episode, that's why Polymer and Whole Horse have a standoff, because Whole Horse won't tell him where he's gone. Just like, so where is he? Uh-huh. He does what he do. Yeah, but where is he? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So, I don't think we told the listener who may not watch the show, which we know we have some, that this guy, this cowboy guy's name is Whole Horse. But we'll get to that momentarily. Yeah. Um, he hasn't revealed his name fully yet. Yeah. Give it time. Uh, so he's like, it's not nice to eavesdrop Jay Guile, a.k.a. Mr. Centerfold. <laughs> and he says about the woman, she's an easy mark and it's convenient. Those alarm bells should be going off yeah, again here, yeah. folks. Because if anyone calls you an easy mark... And it says they're in a relationship with you because it's convenient. Now, that feels a little irksome. Could work, but irksome. Yeah, you know, different things work for different people. But we all have our kinks. I think you're really not putting your best foot forward in that sort of situation. Take some, take a word out of the Joseph Joestar book. I'm the best. I, I thought you were <laughs> going to say take a take a strategy out of the uh, the Joseph Joestar book and run away. <laughs> Just run the fuck away. Punch them in the face and run through their decapitated <laughs> corpse. So they're talking about how they use the phrase "silver chariots, Polnareff." And I think that's cool how, because they're enemies, they identify him more by the threat that he stands mm. by his actual human identity. Yeah. They Sil- don't want to humanise their victim. Yeah. Silver chariots, Polnareff fell hook, line and sinker for their plan to lure him out. We saw that coming. So they're talking, they're talking. Centerfold is sitting with his back against some, some rubble and he's got a, a bottle in front of him. And from behind him... Whole horse sees a cobra, a venomous cobra emerge <gasps> from within within the rubble. Now it's a black cobra, is it? Yeah. All right. Which is weird because I've never noticed a cobra being black. I'm not a snake guy. Possibly because I'm a, a herpetologist. F- I'm filthy westerner with no knowledge of snakes that lives in Australia, the one of the most snake infested lands and whatever. Anyway, we don't have cobras though. We don't have cobras. We just have like as far as I know, boas, which are big. He sees the cobra. He gets one of those cool letterboxing effects over his eyes. Which is, like, hella serious. And he sticks his hand out. And a gun appears. Yeah, he doesn't flexes it in a way with a sort of stylistic flair. It's like a quick draw motion. Mm. Yeah. And this gun appears in it. And he shoots the cobra's head off. <laughs> the cobra's head flies towards Jay Guile. Mm-hmm. And briefly appears in the reflection on this glass bottle. And then is cut to smithereens. By the hanged man. The hanged man. In the bottle. Yeah, the man Ooh. in the mirror. Ooh. So, yeah, they did that, and they basically both wordlessly stand up. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty I actually nice. really like um, when Polar- when a whole horse draws his gun, mm-hmm. the sound effect, it might be like blam or something, is just, it's silver katakana. Mm. It just, I don't know, speaks to the metallic nature of the thing to me. And, the like, cold, heartless machinery. With the, me- mechanic, 
the metallic sounds it would be making as it clings around. Mm. Also, he has a very weirdly shaped gun. Yes, uh, I have a note about this that we'll get to uh, a little bit later. Oh. Mm. But for mm. now, let's do tarot time. Yes! The Hanged Man. The Hanged Moon. So we talked about uh, the meaning of the name Centerfold and Jay Guile last time, so yep. we won't need to rehash that. Okay. But uh, The Hanged Man. Mm-hmm. It's card 12 of the Major Arcana of the Tarot. Gotcha. Uh, it signifies things like uh, letting go, uh, sort of like accepting what's inevitable, ending mm. the struggle and relinquishing control. Uh, reversing, changing your mind, seeing from a new angle, Ooh. like one might do with a mirror. Ooh. Yeah. Suspending action, such as pausing to reflect... <laughs> uh huh. This is getting more and more literal the further we go on. <laughs> waiting, or oh, waiting for the best opportunity, as well as uh, sacrificing, being a martyr, putting others first. This sounds like some kind of uh, resolving of conflict. <laughs> it's going to happen. On the note of uh, putting others first, this is something that um, they go into a bit more next week. But uh, Whole Horse and Centerfold talk about how they like to work together because. Whole Horse specifically talks about how he likes to put others first and be, like, the number two support guy. Right. And I think that sort of keys into sort of that tarot symbolism a bit. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. The Hangman is opposed by the Magician, signifying acting or doing. Avdol! And the Chariot, self-assertion. Whoa! So this Beyblade battle is really going to yeah. take off. we got some real uh, same type attack bonuses going on yeah, here. Yeah, no. Interesting. And it's reinforced by the fool, signifying uh, faith in what's going, in what it, what is, mm-hmm. and going with the flow. Uh, the high priestess for suspending activity and waiting. Come on, emperor! Come on, and emperor! Strength, <sighs> signifying patience or taking your time. See, this is why the monkey should have just tagged along for the ride. Oh, here. they should have just been like, "We like you, Rape Ape. <laughs> You're coming with us." All right, Rape Ape. Listen here, we've got this car and we've got this elephant. All right, you can keep the elephant if you make the car really big for us. That'd be a good idea. It would be, wouldn't it? According to LearnTarot.com, the Hanged Man is one of the most mysterious cards in the tarot deck. It is simple but complex. It attracts but also disturbs. It contradicts itself in countless ways. Uh, okay. The Hanged Man is unsettling because it symbolises the action of paradox in our lives. A paradox is something that appears contradictory and yet is true. Like, there's a a man behind me in that mirror, but not when I turn around. Ah, the Hanged Man presents to us certain truths, but they are hidden in their opposites. In readings, the Hanged Man reminds us that the best approach to a problem is not always the most obvious. When we most want to force our will on someone, that is when we should release. When we most want to have our own way, that is when we should sacrifice. When we most want to act, that is when we should wait. The irony is that by making these contradictory moves, we find what we're looking for. This sounds like something the Polnareff hasn't learned yet. No. But by defeating his opponent's Beyblade... He will soon find the inner peace that comes with just letting go. Yeah. And also by murdering his sister's assassin. But will that give him the peace that he truly desires? Ooh. That's a, that's a common thing in um the, sort of the, the denouement of revenge quest stories where it's like, I did it. I feel the same. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> like Polaroneff does, he makes justifications that like my sister's spirit can't rest until he's dead. Mm. And then maybe when he's dead, he'll be like, I thought I would feel... More fulfilled by this. I mean, it's probably going to happen. And then by killing the hanged man, he can no longer feel anything. He'll be like, oh, all right. And one last note about the hanged man. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Jojo Vele. Uh-huh. The hanged man. Wouldn't it be scary if the reflection in the mirror moved differently from the original person? It Laughs. would be. It would be, yes. It would be scary. It would be scary. As for the design, it's a mummified man. I added some mechanical elements so it doesn't seem biological. <laughs> okay. 
Good to know. <laughs> That's the hanged man. That's the hanged man. So, Centerfold and Whole Horse stand up. Mm-hmm. They stand with each other and they start walking away. And we get a long zooming out shot which just reveals their elephant left alone in the desert. <laughs> Did he leave it there for the love of his life? Who knows? Can't be certain. Did he just be like, let's walk into the sunset like cool guys? I can see Whole Horse taking that route. <laughs> it's going to look so cool if anyone's watching from our elephant's point of view. Man, that elephant, he's just going to bring us down in terms of aesthetic. That elephant's right? just going to be watching and he's going to be like, man, so cool. <laughs> it's just like, we get a shot of the elephant as he puts on some sunglasses like, God damn. They are some cool guys. I hate to see you leave, but I love to watch you walk away <laughs> because... Now that you're leaving me, I'm going to starve to death in this desert. Bites his bottom lip. Because I have learned helplessness. (laughs) We get a shot of Palmer spending the night alone in the hotel aria, just not sleeping, staring at his window. And then we cut to a break. And then we see Stand. We see some yogurt ads this week. Yeah, the yogurt ads have been a lot better than healthy living, whatever the probiotics were. Yeah, they were, they were... The weird thing that struck me about the yogurt ads is that the woman who's eating the, the, the pure Tasmanian yogurt... Oh, yeah. Is sitting at a table full of, like, roast lamb and salad, and she's just eating yogurt from a from a yogurt container. Like a tub of yogurt. Yeah. And then she's got lamb chops and salad there. Yeah. And like, just put it on. Just put it... Stop. Just or, put it on. Or just eat the meal that's been prepared for you, lady. <laughs> this chef works it just seem, tirelessly. It just seems like weird table setting for a yogurt commercial, if you know what I mean. It does, yeah. yeah. In the middle of... And... In fact, where is this table even supposed to be? Tasmania. Is that why they're not inside in a house? I guess so. That's why they're yeah, rejecting they, technology. They don't have houses there. It's true, they don't. Do we have anyone that listens from Tasmania? Uh, no, because they don't have electricity. Ah, Or okay. computers. Yep, good. Just uh, yogurt and ghosts. Yep, yep. Yogurt and poor decisions regarding <laughs> their ecological history. So, it's raining. Mm-hmm. Polnareff is making a streetwise check. He's running around to all sorts of people just being like, do you know a guy with two right hands? Two right hands? And everyone's like, what are you crazy? Go and we get a shot of a cow just basking in the rain. And he's like, god damn it, cow, you're not giving me the answers I need. Where is he? <laughs> he's a cunning one. He's paid off the cows. <laughs> and then he's like, you saw him? Where? Where is he? There. And the guy points. The guy... He looks like an old, like, stereotypical, like Indian old man beggar. Yeah. He also looks a bit like the um, the old man that Jafar disguises himself as in Aladdin. Oh, yeah, yeah, a little. <laughs> Just sort of really gaunt and beardy. And... Yeah. Wise. Mm. He points, mm-hmm. and we get a shot of walking in the street in the middle of the rain. Whole horse and Jay Guile, and for whatever reason, once again, the rain isn't hitting Jay Guile. Huh. How intriguing. How paradoxical, almost, mm. that the rain would not hit someone when it hits them. Because now you know that it doesn't really seem like his stand would do that. Huh. Huh. No, but he is a very paradoxical person. True. So maybe his stand... He's dry when it's wet. He's wet when it's dry. Maybe his stand is he can leverage paradoxes. Like... Is he... No, well, it's not. But uh, Okay. Is he... Like, reflecting the hanged man into the shimmering surface of all the individual water drops. And then cutting them up every single time one hits them. I mean, maybe. It's possible. Plausible. Is it? It doesn't matter. It's just a weird thing. It's it's just a cool Jojoism that even though this guy's stand doesn't really have anything to do with... Like, water falling off. Yeah. For some reason, in this scene as well, as the the flashback where we first learnt about him... Rain doesn't fall off. Yeah. Just, you know, just go with it. Maybe Hanged Man's entire thing is that he hangs over... The man. The man. Mr. Shit, what's his name? Centerfold. Centerfold. Mr. Centerfold. 
Uh, he hangs if over. that is your real name. Which it isn't. Jay Guile. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe his whole thing is that he hangs over him until he goes away. Who knows? Could maybe be. that's why he's called the Hanged Man. So, um, then Polnareff looks and it's just... Whole horse. Yeah. And also the rain clears up and the sun breaks through. You're like, huh, how paradoxical that the weather and would suddenly clear up. whole horse steps into a puddle. And the camera pans up and he's backlit. And the, all the kanjis are like bright yellow. Whoosh! He's holding a cigarette in one hand. And he's just like, hey, his uh, vaguely sort of spaghetti western-ish theme kicks in. I, I really like this music. Vaguely? It's kind of basically full on spaghetti okay, western. yeah. Do, 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 do. Something like that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they, they sort of square off against each other. It's basically one of those cool western showdowns. Mm. And he's like... Uh, the gun is mightier than the sword. Man, talk about a memorable quote. Yeah, it's pretty memorable. Whole horse is the name. I'm the user of the stand. It's just the Emperor card. Lord Dio paid me to get rid of you guys. That, that's unusual, thanks. Tarot time, part two. <laughs> the rare second tarot. <laughs> <laughs> the rare second tarot. Share this podcast with a friend now and you too will get a rare tarot. The Emperor, card four, mm-hmm. uh, signifies fathering. Things like uh, literally fathering someone, uh, protecting and defending, or guiding growth. Uh, It Uh emphasises structure, exercising authority, and regulating things like law and order, applying rules and guidelines. Mm -hmm. It's opposed by the empress, which signifies mothering and free-flowing abundance. And uh, reinforced by the hierophant, uh, conforming to rules, and justice, concerns of justice and legality. So he's kind of like a literal sheriff. Kind, except he's a bad guy. He's a bad sheriff. He's a mercenary cowboy. Lawful evil. He roams the world seducing women and shooting people. Dude, whole horse. What a man. The emperor represents structure, order, and regulation. Forces to balance the free-flowing, lavish abundance of the empress. He advocates a four-square world where trains are on time, games are played by rules, and commanding officers are respected. He talks a lot about Stratego and the rules of it in his this conversation. He does. He does. Weirdly. He's like, tanks are weak to mines. You ever played Stratego? Uh, no, but I've heard of it. It's fine. It's like, <laughs> you array your forces uh-huh. and you move them forward like one square at a time. And, you know, you can yeah, you can hide mines around. Right. And that's it. That's pretty much, yeah. And I think you don't know if your enemy forces are tanks or soldiers. Oh. I've only played it once like 10, 15 years ago. So I may, yeah. maybe misremembering some of this, but huh. that's how I remember it. Weird. In chaotic situations, the emperor can indicate the need for organisation. Loose ends should be tied up and wayward elements harnessed. In situations that are already over-controlled, he suggests the confining effects of those restraint constraints. Now, that does feel like loose ends, dead sister, just gotta, yeah, you know, get that shit, <laughs> like, tied up. Get that narrative plot hole firmly secured by combining perhaps another tarot card with this arc. Maybe a hanged man being... Yeah, to- sure. To just kind of, you know. Okay, sure. Got my Jojo Valet note for whole, for uh, the Emperor. Okay. A gun stand to fight against a sword. I thought it would be novel to have the gun instantly appear in his hand instead of being drawn from a holster. Its appearance combines the designs of a revolver and an automatic pistol. Okay, but it has a circular thing on it. Well, that's like the uh, the revolver's barrel. Oh, and like, like... Yeah. Yeah, the barrel-y thing. Mm. Yeah, Okay. I think that's neat. I mean, that makes more I like, sense. I like, I like Emperor as a stand a lot, especially once we learn that the bullets it fires are also part of the stand. Yeah. It's a bit weird, though, because it kind of looks like a gun from Borderlands. 
Because the circular bit's on the side, not mm, yeah. on the back. It's been randomly generated. Yeah. There is a, um, a Jojolian note for Whole Horse. Okay. But uh, seeing as we'll be spending another week with him, I will get to that next week. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. His namesake, Whole Horse. I've heard two conflicting reports from this. Okay. It's either Hall and Oates, you know, that American pop music duo. Yep. They did that song Private Eyes. They did that song Maneater. Yep. They're pretty good. Yep. I've also heard of something called Full Force, which is a, an American group of R&B singers and producers. I'm going to say it's probably Hall and Oates because uh, Jojo doesn't come across as the biggest R&B fan, except for Wu-Tang Clan. But, mm. you know, that was one-off. That was a one-off. So Hull Horse has just introduced himself and Ponoff is like, I don't care. Have you seen the guy I'm looking for? And Holnareff. <laughs> Uh, Holnareff. Holnareff. They do the fusion dance to become Holnareff. Um, Whole Horse is like, well, that was rude. You asked me who I was, so I told you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm with the guy. Well, where is he? I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to kill me if you want to find the guy. Oh, God, he was like, so inconvenient. Whole Horse is like, don't worry, I'll kill you. And Polyrev's like, that's what they always say. And then they're the ones who end up dying. Actually, to be fair, he has a pretty good track record with that. But now he's alone. Ooh. Whole Horse says that Lord Dio described him, described him, Polnareff, mm-hmm. as a man who underestimated others and that Whole Horse would have no trouble defeating him. And he's like, that seems accurate, but not as accurate as my gun. Oh, shit. So he starts talking about Stratego, the tank is stronger than the soldier and tanks are weak against mines. See, it's pretty much the basics of battle. My emperor is stronger than you. So I thought I'd let you know about my stand's abilities before we fight. The gun is mightier than the sword. Seriously, such a memorable quote. It is memorable. I would agree with that statement. Now, I have a note here, trivia from the JoJo wiki that I haven't followed up on because I just wanted to uh-huh. include this, this quote from the trivia page with, it, with, all, with that context. Is it literally just the gun is mightier than the sword is indeed a memorable quote? Whole Horse's talk about the gun being better than the sword was shortened in the anime. <laughs> And he already went on oh, for quite no. a while. Oh, no. <laughs> How long did it go in the month? I can't remember. Oh, no. <laughs> Would it just be like, the gun is mightier than the sword, but the sword is mightier than the dog, but the dog? Thousands of years ago, ancient blacksmiths invented the sword, and for a time it reigned supreme. But now... <laughs> Damn. Hundreds of years ago... Engineers invented the gun, which has supplanted it as the ultimate weapon. And that's why you, Polnareff in your silver chariot, can never defeat me, whole horse of my emperor, because you have a sword and I have a gun, and the gun is mightier than the sword. Yeah, all right, Emperor Palpatine. (laughs) I am the stand user. (laughs) I am the... No. Unlimited stand power. (laughs) Oh, no. Sheev Palpatine sounds a bit like a Jojo name. Sheev Palpatine. Actually, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Or does a stand be? Lightning. Um, <laughs> Probably just lightning, actually, to be fair. So I control the weather. Grease lightning. <laughs> Grease lightning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Grease, the seventh card of tarot. This stand is automatic. This stand is systematic. <laughs> this stand is unlimited power. <laughs> That's it. And now we will have peace. Oh, Sheevy. So this is... One how- of my favourite parts of the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> What went out of Palpatine? Just when Palpatine is just having a great time being evil. <laughs> just fucking shit up. Yeah. I think that actor does quite a good job too. Hmm. Okay. They fight. Well, they start well, no, no, to no, fight. Yeah, no, they don't, they don't fight yet, in fact. Because he said, he's still talking about guns. He says, my stand shoots. A sword can't beat a weapon that shoots. And Polnareff goes, what? 
a pea shooter and he starts laughing. And then the other guy starts laughing. And they're laughing and we get a long wide shot of just people in the street staring at these two weirdos in the middle of the road laughing Laughing. and like striking ridiculous like dabbling over and and like coming back wiping their eyes and then a single and we're panning backwards to this balcony Mm. and a sing as you were saying Mm. a single raindrop falls from it into a puddle below and then that sound they both stop laughing and shout i'll kill you or whatever and they do that really serious like spaghetti western moment yeah it's cool it's basically like a quick draw scenario yeah it's like that's it the signal has been made yeah uh, they both bring out their stands. Emperor brings out its gun and shoots. Yep. Polnareff uh, calls out chariot, removes its armor, like he can do, remember? Yep. Gets super fast. And then goes to swing at the bullet. It's just a bullet, because I'm really fast now when bullets are slow, so fuck that. Begins we see in stri- super slow-mo. He strikes down vertically across its Y-axis, if you will. Yeah, on the correct trajectory. On the correct trajectory. And then the bullet just swerves around the sword and keeps going. What? You didn't expect that my bullet was also part of my stand. <laughs> you idiot. You really should have thought about... Oh, also, Paul, uh, Whole Horse just did something really dumb and cool as he did it too. Mm. Because as he fired his shot... Well, as he drew his gun, he threw his cigarette away. Yep. And as he fired the shot, the bullet launches the cigarette way up into the air. Oh, yes. And then later, he catches it in his mouth. <laughs> oh, man. That's so cool. Oh, man. Once again, in super slow motion, this bullet is heading right for Polnareff's head. And he's like, but but I can't cut it if it just moves. Oh no. And then we hear Avdol. Yeah, it just comes out of nowhere, tackles Polnareff out of the way. You idiot, Polnareff. I was looking for you because I was worried. Look what I find. You're too full of yourself, Polnareff. And the bullet curves away up into the sky. And they start bickering like, the enemy knows everything about you, man. They hung out with you for a while. And now they know that you're alone, you're weak, you have no hope. It's all, it's all very good uh, good advice mm, yeah. from Avdol, to be fair. In the sky, the bullet curves back around, and Avdol calls out Magician's Red. <sighs> Our boy always looks like he's having a great time. Just like, fuck you, yeah, I'm the best! I'm a bird, I'm on fire. Let's set some things on fire. It's time to fuck shit up. And we have some brief shots of the rest of the gang. Joseph is running around in his out the outfit that he wears in the opening that he's at last changed into. Uh, uh, you got very hype about that. Yeah, like that's the outfit. Yeah, I've my my brief obsession with his clothing will have ended now. And now it has subsided. Yeah, we can all relax. I can, I can be at peace. And now I die. <laughs> Which I need to blast dust and blow away. Death, the thirty fifth tarot card. I mean, death is a tarot card. Huh. Is it the thirty fifth one? No. Thirteen, I think. Unlucky thirteen. Mm. Mm. Uh, Jojo and Kakuin are also looking around. Yep. Kakuin's like, I have a terrible feeling. And then he hears some guy being like, "Hey, there's some sort of weird fight going on over here." Immediately starts running in that <laughs> yeah, direction. That could only be one thing. It's like weird fight. Oh. oh. And he comes around the corner as Polnareff is uh, Avdol is squaring off against the bullets coming his way, mm-hmm. planning to burn it up or whatever it is he does. Mm-hmm. And Kakuin has the perfect view of. The puddle behind Avdol, his reflection in it, mm-hmm. and the hanged man appearing in that puddle, reaching around Kakyoin's, uh, Avdol's shoulder, and just driving that knife right on in. Avdol! Avdol contorts his body in pain, loses his focus, and that bullet just flies right into his head. Now, at that point, I was like, well, shit. He falls in super slow-mo, there's a yellow colour filter, uh... So Polnareff's head right next to Avdol 
in the background. Mm-hmm. His his hair is bright yellow. Uh, Avdol's head wrapping, his bandana. What would you call that? Probably a bandana. Yeah, yeah. Comes loose. It's bloody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it falls to the ground with a sickening thud. Right next to the puddle. And we see the hanged man just disappear. <gasps> Avdol. Avdol. He got shot in the head. That's surprisingly. Like, matter of fact for Jojo. It is, isn't it? It's not, I'm, I've been defeated. I lay down and wait for the, the stone to fall on me. Although, to be fair, the bullet did curve backwards and is a stand. And he was stabbed in the back by an but invisible being. What so. I'm saying is it just it all, it all happens so fast in the show. It did, it There's did. no, like, I'm dying now. Final monologue. It is time to die. It's like not tears in the rain. Dio, we truly were brothers. I'm going to hug you and we're going to both go down together. Yeah, it's more just like, well, he's shot in the fucking head. Yep. So then Kakuin runs over. He's like, oh God, no, he's just hurt, right? It's fine. He's just, just a minor wound. God, wake up. Wake up, Abdul. Please, 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 please. You just got shot in the head. It's nothing to be concerned about. You're not brain dead. You're Steam just dead. rises from his body, which we've Ooh. seen before is signification of death. Yep, bad times. Yeah. Kakuin says it was too easy, it was too quick. Mm. It, it just does feel very out of character for Jojo deaths. I mean, it's very effective. Mm. So, yeah. I was just there being like, he can't be fucking dead. <laughs> he can't be dead. It's not a doll. Polnareff spits and kicks some dust and turns away and is like, good, I'm glad he died. He shouldn't have come meddling in my business. He was too slow and now he's dead. Just really annoys me when people fucking get in the way and die. Yeah, uh... Kakuin's like, Kakuin is understandably like, wow, rude, he saved your life. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so, wow, uh, sorry. And then, this is classic Jojo Fair. There we He's go. acting tough, and then we see two tears hit the ground in front of his feet. And Kakuin's like, <gasps> and we, we hear him sobbing and he's shaking. And he turns around and tears are just pouring down his face. Like fucking manly yeah. fucking tears. It just annoys me so much when people... Uh, having people up and die on me. And he just like points at Kakuin. Yeah. He's all like, it just annoys me so much. I'm so manly. I'm so <laughs> handsome. End of episode. Ooh. Grim. Good one though. Oh, damn good. Kind of, kind of a slow start. And then I think, fucking I think, I think you'll see this a few with uh, some of the two parts we have to come where they were too long in terms of chapters to do in one episode. Satisfactorily? Yeah. So, oftentimes, you'll have a slower-paced first episode. And then just... Mm -hmm. Yep. Gotcha. Right. I didn't actually explain what I meant by that. I meant that it'll hit the ground running and fucking kill someone off. Right. (laughs) Abdol. Highlights and lowlights. Okay. Okay. All right. I have a highlight. Uh Uh-huh. For me, the highlight is... I literally watched this twice last night because of how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. Just Polnareff and Whole Horse squaring off in the middle of the city, uh... You know, Western showdown. The spaghetti Western music is playing, mm. and you know the quick draw. I love a good quick draw battle. You do seem like the time, like the kind of guy where a spaghetti Western quick draw fight. You would just be mm. like, I'm all about this. I love that one in uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, mm. where the three of them yeah, are three way, uh, and they're just like, and then it turns out that he's removed the bullets from one of their guns. Yeah, it's so good. And he's like, but then you'll never get the treasure. It's like, yeah, I don't care about the treasure. The ecstasy of gold is the name of the music that plays in that scene. It is. Did you know? Did you know uh, that Metallica, I believe... I did not. ...started off one of their gigs with an orchestra playing the XC of Gold? Neat. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think it was Metallica. can't remember. Anyway. So, yeah. The, uh, the highlight. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I 
It's a lot to take in. God, so much to take in. I reckon probably, um... Oh, God. Trust your feelings, Nick. I have to say, the whole horse and hangman joining forces to kill the cobra. Oh, yeah. Because you get a very good idea of what each one can do. Mm, it's a sort of very tight moment that quickly displays, A, how they work, can work together, mm. and B... Uh, how shitty cobras are in a stand battle. <laughs> yeah. Don't bring a cobra to a stand fight. Yeah. Low light? Low light. I'm going to save you the effort. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the Casablanca bit, which is like, oh, such a shame. I know I like eh. that. I think that characterizes oh, the right, horse quite nicely. Oh, okay. Well then, low light. Abdul's dying. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. We barely knew him. We only had 10 episodes worth <laughs> of him. If that. I think for me, the low light is the the waiter's weird toilet rant. Oh. Because he's so reserved other than in that one bit. It just really creeps <laughs> me out. Yeah, where he's just grinning like, <laughs> yeah. And then he immediately goes back to being like, I'll leave you to it. <laughs> you know, the pig can really clean out a fine ass, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Please, sir, enjoy your stuff. Like, oh, yeah, no. creepy. Yeah, weird. weird. Bizarre, even. Hmm. Polar F's bizarre toilet adventure. Oh, God. I feel like the number of times that you've told me, yeah, Polar F is not lucky in that regard. It's not going to get much better. Oh, no. Polar F. So, uh-huh. Nick, uh-huh. Yep. we're at the end of The Emperor and the Hanging Man Part 1. Uh-huh. Yeah. My question to you mm-hmm. is, yeah. what's going to happen mm-hmm. next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part uh-huh. 3, Stardust yeah. Crusaders, uh-huh. in The Emperor and the Hanged Man uh-huh. Part 2? Oh, shit. Okay, well, I reckon the Hanged Man's going to get away. I 100% reckon the Hanged Man is going to get away. Okay. Whole Horse will be defeated, and at the end he'll be like, huh, you'll never catch him. He's like a ghost. And then we get- It's just dust in the wind. Yeah, pretty much. Where it's like, don't you get it? He doesn't live like the rest of us. Did you get it? He literally is a ghost. Ooh. But what is he a ghost of? Your sister. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. That'd be dumb. Yeah, no, that would be. Um, He's not going to elaborate on why the rain doesn't fall on him. Nope. Unless it's like, he's so evil that the rain doesn't even fall on him. Like, okay, that's weird. Right, hang on. Let's go from the beginning. Right. Okay, yes. Polnareff. Avdol has been shot in the head. Avdol. Kakuin and Polnareff are there. The bad guys are still there. Yep. Joseph isn't there. Jotaro isn't there. Polnareff is there. Okay. Okay. We've established who is there and yeah. who isn't there. So, Kakuin will... Uh, no, Polnareff will force Kakuin to get out of the way. Right. Kakuin will try and help anyway because he's a good young schoolboy. Yep. Um, Sounds weird when you put it like that. Yep. Uh, so, he's going to try and... Ooh! Herophant Green will try and remove the water from the scene and uh, get rid of some of them puddles. I reckon. Just by shooting diamonds at them. Oh, yeah, true. It's going to shoot diamonds, isn't it? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Or distract whole horse and be like, don't Mm. you get it? We don't need guns. We have shit tons of emeralds. (laughs) And they splash. After that, Polnareff will be all like, haha, now I can stab you. And then Hangman will be like, nah, fuck off. And they'll be like, oh no. Smoke bomb. Yep. Uh, But whole horse will stay there and be like, ah, Hangman's out of here or something. Mm -hmm. I reckon Hangman's going to backstab whole horse because he's a conniving motherfucker. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And so, by backstabbing him, he shows his character even more yeah. after he backstabbed Avdol. Thoughts on Avdol? I don't think he's dead. Okay, tell me more. Okay. I reckon, I fucking reckon that Avdol, of all the characters, is the least likely to die until we reach Egypt. Okay. Because, is that because Number one has roots in Egypt and it would be satisfying to see him come back to them? Number or? one... He's the only one there who really knows anything about that bug. And so he's the only one who'll be like, oh, we go to this specific district. Okay. So it would seem a bit bad if they get to Egypt and go, cool, we're in Egypt. 
Sure, wish Abdul was here. Shit, what was that bug? So um, what, do you think he'll just be out for the count next episode and then back? Yeah, or? yeah, pretty much. I reckon he's just going to be down like that. And at the very end of the episode, be like, oh, Stan. So like, <laughs> what? How are you alive? It's like, don't you get it? My I have Bay a metal plate in my head <laughs> yeah. from the war. Don't you get it? My Beyblade was against... It, I'm I'm strong against them. That's That was the whole point. Fire beats ranged attacks. <laughs> Something to that effect. Okay, It's just sure. like, yeah, well, I just heated my body up until the bullet melted, so... So, and then they'll go on their way, they'll encounter the hanged man a few more times throughout the journey. Yeah. Or maybe, like, he gets away this one time, and then next time Polnareff is like, that's it. I'm going to use my team against you now, and then he's going to win. Okay. But for now, he's going to try and keep everyone out of the way. Or Dio's going to show up next episode. Ooh, maybe. Maybe Dio actually shows up, and he's like, you idiots. All I have to do is kill you one by one because I'm the strongest ever. And then that's where Polnareff learns about teamwork. Right. Yeah. After getting his butt handed to him by Dio. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Okay. So, so either Polnareff loses the hanged man again and Dio shows up and is all like, I'm going to eat you. Or... <laughs> that's, that's how he talks. Yeah. Uh, Ain't I a stinker? I'm Dio. Yeah. Or whole horse is just like, yeah, I lost, but hangman's gone, so fuck you. And then we just move on. One of them. Okay. Got a piece of uh, Twitter listener correspondence. Oh, yes! This comes from at uh, Joshua Kev Perry. Uh-huh. Asks, ask Nick if he has a favourite character on the show so far. Don't make me choose. Don't make... They're all wonderful. Uh, no, they're not. So, God damn it, so far. Mm. It's not Joseph. Okay, hang on. Are we talking each part? I'm talking... Just... I'm talking overall. Okay, overall. Hmm. 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 It's definitely not Joseph. I can tell you that much. Just because he's a bit of a shitbird? Or... Well, partially because um, he's completely useless in part three. And in part two, it was the Joseph Joseph. completely show. useless. Okay, he has the one clairvoyance thing, but that's about he it. He called that lawyer. He did call that lawyer, that is true. He, he learned that uh, that Kakuin was Dio's servant and then didn't do anything with that information. It's true, he did learn that information, yeah. I mean, Speedwagon was pretty fucking amazing. Speedwagon's pretty great. And Dub Speedwagon's even better. Dub Speedwagon. You remember my... Oh, my that's of, of right. Dub Speedwagon. Oh, Dub Speedwagon. Oh, core, blimey. Joseph, Jonathan will take care of them. He's a, he's a strapping young lad. <laughs> Although, to be fair, Jotaro is fucking ridiculous as a character. Mm. <laughs> like, just... I like this place. It's good here. Mate, it's such a good moment. Oh, my God. Polnareff is also amazing because of... Oh, you young ladies. <laughs> Polnareff has... has some, I think we discussed this in his introductory episode. He's got dimensions, which is nice. He's not just yeah. one note. He can be the serious revenge-driven, mm. you know... Asshole. That he was in this episode. Yeah. And he can just be like, Hey, babes, what's going on? I sure, don't, I sure hope Indian food doesn't upset my stomach. <laughs> so good. Oh, man. Yeah, it's... Mm, mm, but a favourite. So what we're getting at, it's hard to choose. Yep. Yeah, it is hard to choose. If we're going in each part, favourite character from each part would be part one, Jonathan, because obviously Jonathan was the best. Part two, probably fucking... I want to say... Um, what's his name? The Nazi dude. Stroheim? I want to say Stroheim because he's ridiculous. Uh, but I'll probably say Speedwagon because Speedwagon. Mm-hmm. And then in this part, so far... I reckon it's between Jotaro and Polnareff. Okay. Or Kakuin. I am Mercurial, and I don't often pick favourites because I'm inconsistent and my favourites would change frequently. Weak! Uh, but 
for the moment, mm-hmm. I will say part one, Dio. Because he's, Ooh. especially in those, f- before he becomes a vampire, when he's just a jerk. And he's just, he's just like, Giorgio! Yeah. He's just like, why are you talking like that? Because I'm Dio. Part two, probably just Joseph, because he's just so entertaining. Sure, sure. And part three, Polnareff, because he's great. <laughs> I like that. Just anytime Polnareff gets mentioned, it's like, Polnareff, he's great. When Polnareff isn't around, all the other characters should be asking, where's Polnareff? Like they were in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Every time a fight goes Like that one bit where they're at a restaurant and they're like, I guess Polnareff's really not coming back. And you see that they've asked for a table for six or whatever. Yeah. So five, six, five. Five. Yeah, they've asked for a table for five. It's like, surely Polnareff will come back and and have dinner with us. Polnareff's going to be here. Polnareff's going to come back. Right, Grandpa? (laughs) It's just... Everyone loves Polnareff. (laughs) And uh, we have one more Twitter correspondence I want to address. (gasps) This comes from Squidbat Jones. Sorry, what? Squidbat Jones. Squidbat? Yeah. Wow. Squidbat Jones says, Just wanted to say that I'm loving the podcast. Do you think you'd read Araki's author notes as a B-side? I find them charming. And I just want to say, that is something I am considering looking into. They are, you know, uh, manga chapters, I think especially when they're released in... uh, Japan. In in compilations. Yeah. Will often have like a... um, Just like notes at the back. Yeah, just like, like a couple of sentences like... Thoughts about this chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of those for Jojo. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, they're weird. <laughs> How weird are we talking here? I'll see if I can pull up just one example for this episode. Because I know um, in Vampire Hunter D, almost every single book has Kikuchi's uh, notes at the end. And apparently they're just like, yeah, so um, when I was writing this bit, I was sitting in a cafe and I thought to myself, man... I really do enjoy a good chai latte. Yeah, know? it is things like yeah. that. It's just little bits, apparently. Like, let's okay. let's see what um what he had for one of the um one of the chapters this episode was in. Okay. Wait, is there like author's notes for every single chapter? Ah. In every volume of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the front folded flap of the dust jacket usually contains a picture of Araki and more than often a quotation. Okay. It's just like Araki. Quote. Yeah, I really do enjoy Polnareff. Unquote. This is the uh Quote from volume 15 of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Mm -hmm. When you start working in the real world, you're often asked to trade business cards. But ever since I became a manga artist, I've had to say, Oh, I don't have a business card. Sorry. Well, I've finally designed a business card with the mark you can see on it. Now, even if I'm overseas, people can figure out what progression I work in. The international sign of a manga artist. The big callus on the finger. And as you can see, it's a... a drawing of the badge on uh, jo- Jotaro's hat, <laughs> but with a big callus on the finger. <laughs> oh, that is funny. You know what? Those are entertaining. I'm going to look into um, just the highlights of the ones we've missed, and then mm. maybe as we progress volumes from now on, I will, in- I will include those at some point. Oh, shit, yeah. Thanks for the suggestion, Squidbat. <laughs> or whatever your name was. Squidbat Jones. That's it. He sounds like a detective. Hey, it's me, Squidbat Jones. I'm the son of a Quarren and a... Chagrifin. That's the Star Wars Bat Race, right? What the what? Quarren of the Star Wars Squidmen. Okay. And Chadrafan of the Star Wars Batman. Gotcha. I am the Knight, the Star Wars Batman. I am the Star Wars. So, uh... I agree. That brings us to the end of the episode. Oh. You can correspond with us at JoJo's Podcast at Twitter or on Gmail. If you like the show, hit us up on iTunes, tell a friend, mail it to your enemies and say, Guys... You'll hate this. Is it still Tripod Month? Uh, not by the time this comes out. Oh, shit. But try a new podcast. I don't know. Just do it. You yeah. Fucking casuals. Friggin' commie. Ugh. 
Kami. I mean, share the podcast round, right? The real enemy isn't Dio. The real enemy is capitalism. I was going to say it's anything that wasn't podcasts. I guess capitalism's in there, yeah. In the Star Wars prequels, the real enemy was capitalism. It was, wasn't it? Mm. We had a Senate. I'm not even joking, it was. Well, yeah, because (laughs) the Senate fell down because the Trade Federation was all like, yeah, capitalism. Let's wrap things up. (laughs) Let's get off Star Wars. To be continued.